0: You're listening to podcasts from the Congressional Internet Caucus Advisory Committee, www.netcaucus.org. And coffee and drinks and cookies and um, more chips over on the other side. Please eat all of them, otherwise I'll have to bring them home to eat them myself, and I really don't want to do that. So thanks for coming. Um, this event today is called, let me take the exact title. Does the Internet Need a Revised Communications Act? If you're looking for the Ebola hearing, it's like down the hall, but I don't know why you're you would want to be at that one. This is going to be far more uh, uh, less dangerous, and hopefully more interesting. So um, let me just do a really quick bit of housekeeping. The, half, the Twitter hashtag for today is going to follow along, and is um, uh, hashtag comment. Um, we are at uh, at Net caucus AC, which is our Twitter handle. Um, the Twitter um, handles for pretty much everybody on this panel um, is on the sheet here. Um, coming up in November, our next events for upcoming events and it's on the sheet. It's like um, it's like programming for millennials. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence's hacked photos, a sex crime, will be on Thursday, November sixth, two thousand and fourteen. I'm not sure of yet. And then also, um, should Congress be caring about sharing the regulation future of Uber, Airbnb, and the sharing economy? And that's tentatively set for November twenty-first. So um, those are just some of the events that we're doing um, through through November. Um, and you can subscribe on our website at netcaucus.org. Um, also, let me just also say that this event is hosted by the Congressional Internet Caucus Advisory Committee, and we are a non-profit organization. We do not take positions on any legislation regulation, period, and I'm totally serious about that. Uh, people say, well, you know, we did take a position on that legislation. Said, no, we don't. Our sole purpose is to host um, discussions on crit- issues that are critical to the Internet, and of, the, of which this is one. Uh, so we don't take any positions, but we do look at the issues from the perspective of the Internet, whereas other organizations may be broader on technology or, or more industry-specific. Our focus is the Internet, as defined, extremely broadly. So uh, with that, we're, we're very pleased to be hosting this in conjunction with the Congressional Caucus and its co-chairs. Um, on the House side, that's Congressman Bob Goodlatte, uh, Congressman Anna Eschew. And on the Senate side, it's Senator Leahy and Senator Thune. Um, we're, really, we're really thrilled that they do this in conjunction with us. Um, since we don't take positions on legislation and regulation, um, the, the caucus coaches don't really, they often don't agree on the issues. they uh, very bipartisan, but they don't often uh, agree. And it takes a lot of courage for them to kind of step up and say, "Look, well, we think that these debates are really important and we want to have a diversity of views. So, we've assembled a panel of speakers that we hope reflects a pretty good perspective of views and diversity of views um, on this issue. Um, And so let me just introduce them um, uh, as we go down the table. Uh, This is Kathy Sloan from the Computer and Communications Industry Association. We have Doug Brake from the the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation. Sarah Morris um, from the Open Technology Institute for New America Foundation. And uh, last but not least is uh, Gus Horowitz with the University of Nebraska Law School. Um, and so, I guess the question is a, a quick overview um, where where we are, why we here today. Um, there, there is. I'm not going to go back to the history since 1934 of the Communications Act, but that it is the Communications Act of 1934, which broadly regulates a lot of electronic communications from the telegraph to broadcast media to cable, satellite, and the like. Um, the last major update that Congress did was in 1996, called the Telecom Act of 1996. And, um, and and a lot has happened kind of since then. Not only in the marketplace, but also from a, a regulatory perspective as well. Um, we 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 in 2004, I believe, this organization um, and this is one of like 20 um, events that we've done on this generally this topic. Um, we hosted an event called um, "Did the Internet Kill the Telecom Act?" And we did that in like, 2004 or something. And I thought it would, I was almost a rhetorical question. I thought, of course it has, right? Um, but just recently, um, the Federal Communications Commission has been dealing with this issue called net neutrality, in which this, this panel is not on net neutrality specifically, but it's certainly part of the question. And um, the, the Commission, the Federal Communications Commission, put rules, rules um, about net neutrality, and, and and they were struck down. Um, and But the court said that you do have some authority in these things, under a provision, a four-paragraph provision, in the Telecom Act 1996, called Se- Section 706, and it's really like four paragraphs. Um, and so, in my view, my personal view, it seemed like the court kind of breathed a little bit of life back into um, the communication Act and the Telecom Act 1996. Right now, as you probably all know, the FCC is working through that issue. They're trying to write rules for um, net neutrality, the internet rules. Um, we've done about three briefings this session um, on that topic, so you can go back and listen to the podcast, feel free. But we're not going to get too much into it. But um, the question now is, the, outside of that, and, and somewhat related to it, does, does the Internet need a new Communications Act? Um, and, and this issue has been put forward um, a lot um, back in the day, several years ago. Um, the Partners in Freedom Foundation, which is a free market think tank, put out a proposal called the Digital Age Communications Act, DACA. Um, uh, right now, Chairman Walden and Chairman Upton in the House Congress did, and their purview is broad. It doesn't focus just on the internet, I mean, broadcast, satellite, you know, all those different media. And they're looking at um, revising the Communications Act in its entirety, um, and what they should do, and they've, they've been soliciting white papers, they've been structuring um, feedback and having meetings with people. Um, and so they're working on that under the hashtag combat update. update, um, and so that that's going forward. Um, what happens with the Senate um, this particular fall um, will kind of maybe inform what happens in that particular issue. Um, and then other folks are saying, if, as back as far back as 1990, 1992, um, maybe there's all these titles for the Communications Act, right? Um, Title two, II, Title three, Title five, uh, and and but there is no Title seven. So, back in 1992, I think Al Gore suggested, well, the Internet's kind of different. Maybe we should just have a new title for the communication Act and put everything in there. Um, And then we'll start from scratch. Um, The alternative would be, I guess, to kind of start updating our existing rules and regulations and apply them to the Internet on on an ad hoc basis. So, um, I guess with that, I guess... What I would ask, I'm going to opening open and ask um, panels and ask them to try, describe a little bit more about what they do, so you get a better a better appreciation for the perspective. But I'll answer the question: Why would the internet need a communications act right? or is everything just fine? Um, and, and what is the internet? Catherine.
1: Okay. Well, uh, so CCIA is uh, an organization. Um, that is focused on industry advocacy and has been for 40 years um, with the mission to uh, make sure that we've got in the United States open systems, open networks, and full and fair competition. So we were involved in the original breakup of AT&T, the antitrust case, and some other antitrust cases along the way. We um, involve ourselves in all kinds of FCC issues and intellectual property issues as well, trade, privacy, um, quite a mixed bag. Our member companies include large and small um, Internet platforms and some small telecoms as well. Um, So to Tim's question about um, the Internet needing... Uh, a communications act update we actually think that the internet is pretty awesome without any new uh, congressional legislation or any new federal statutes Um, the telecom act of 1996 full disclosure I worked on it in another life in fine detail Um, it was a a triumph of competition policy in, in our view and um and still is today and, and just needs to be enforced um in, in certain aspects um more so than it is. Um uh, that's not to say there's nothing at all that's broken that can't be fixed. Um so for example, I'm sure as consumers you're familiar with TV blackout situations. Um that is um you know a vestige of a whole jumble of uh media and broadcast and cable regulation. Um, that perhaps is um, becoming out of date. We don't have a, a particular fix for that, um, but but we recognize some problems there. Um, in terms of open Internet rules, what we want to make sure is that consumers don't suffer blackouts of their Internet access, because that would be a whole lot worse than missing a TV show. Um, so, And then cybersecurity is another area where not only the commerce committees, but other committees have focused on and, uh, it's very important, more so perhaps than it was in a telephone only era. Um, and then spectrum. Um, you know, spectrum is a finite resource, and it was one of the founding, um, motivations behind the Telecom Act of 1934. You know, uh, we needed to have radio stations that could be licensed in various areas of the country without interfering with each other. So that's a core, core mission of the, of the federal government. Um, and now we're facing a situation with mobile wireless that we have all this spectrum um, congestion, and yet the federal government is sitting on more than half of the electromagnetic spectrum. And so, um, creative um, technological things need to be done so the spectrum can be shared more more easily. And maybe that's that's an area too for for communications act update.
0: Yeah. So, Doug, why, why would we? Uh... Uh, the internet, why well, the internet be the uh, Yeah, first, thanks, Tim, and, uh,
2: and the internet caucus for having me. Uh, uh, so I'm Doug Brake. I'm with the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation. Uh, we're a small think tank that focuses on innovation policy uh, at the national, local, and international level. Uh, I'm a telecom policy analyst, so I focus on communications uh, at large, not just the internet, which... Uh, I don't know, I think maybe color is the way I, I, I think of your, your question as a rather interesting framing of, of this problem. Uh, I don't think it's so much that the Internet needs a new communications act, but it's the fact that we need a new communications act because of the Internet. And, I don't know, perhaps we can back into that by approaching your second question of what exactly is the Internet. And so I think that there's, you know, this popular idea of what the Internet is. It's really focused on on the web, right, all sorts of web applications we think about. Netflix and all our favorite websites, and we think of it as the internet. It's very different from what, you know, a, a rigorous technical definition of the internet is. Uh, so, internet uh, network connection uh, of networks, right? It's like the, the global interconnected uh, connection networks that operates on a platform of uh, standardized protocols. Uh, the most basic is Internet Protocol, of course. The TCP IP is the real popular one that runs a lot of the popular web applications that we know. And so the problem is that so many of our communications platforms are converging on this Internet Protocol, on this IP platform suite. Uh, so we're seeing voice increasingly going from older technologies onto IP protocol technologies, right? Voice over IP, Um we see uh, video as well going on to IPTV or video directly over the web, right? And so we have all these what were traditionally very different silos are all moving on to the internet, and so the internet is becoming much more of our communications platforms than it used to be. Uh, I think this is an evident problem just looking at the Communications Act as it stands. I think I went through the, the Communications Act with a, a simple search. And it mentions the Internet, I think, 11 times. mentions broadband four times. then we're dealing with the communications act that simply does not address the predominant communications platform of like our And with regard to the,
0: the 11 mentions, it's actually mostly embodied in Section 230, which is uh, for protecting children and limited liability for content.
1: Correct. There was a reason for that. We'll get back to <laughs>
0: I, Doug, I didn't mean to come down. I'm sorry. No,
2: that's uh, I mean, that's, I think that's the, the main instruction. I definitely fall into the camp of we do need a Communications Act rewrite, and it's largely because of the Internet. I don't think that we need a, a Communications Act uh, that extends regulation. I'm in agreement with Kathy that uh, those that sort of web applications that we all know and love, uh, I don't think that those need additional regulations. I don't think that's why we need a Communications Act, Act update or, alternatively, as I would prefer, a Communications Act rewrite. Uh, but I think that that's the, the, the fundamental issue, is that we need a Communications Act update or rewrite because of the Internet. It's not that the Internet needs it, not that the, the, the Web needs it. Sarah, you
0: take taking the question
3: and a little bit about OTI. Sure. Um, so I'm Sarah Morris. I'm the Senior Policy Counsel for the Open Technology Institute at New America. Um, New America is a nonpartisan think tank and civic enterprise dedicated to the renewal of American politics, prosperity, and purpose in the digital age. Our experts work on a wide range of issues, um, from national security to work family balance and, of course, technology and telecom policy. At the Open Technology Institute, we bring together policy experts, technologists, and practitioners to tackle challenges like promoting ubiquitous, safe, and affordable access to communications technologies in communities in the United States and around the world. Um, and I'm pleased to be here today to talk about the regulatory landscape for Internet policy and the ongoing relevance of the Telecommunications Act. Um, so I'm going to answer the second question that, that Tim posed post first, which was, what exactly is the Internet? Um, and as, as um, Doug pointed out, the, the Internet is not a monolithic thing. It encompasses all sorts of things. The architecture over which all traffic flows, the traffic itself, the delivery and routing of that traffic among Internet users the advertisement of Internet access service, the billing for those services, and, of course, the content, applications, and communications that make up all of the traffic that is sent and received through the networks. And within each of those components are policy questions that must be answered. And the factors that might go into how the policy questions are answered will differ among each of those components. Um, some aspects of the network may be more competitive than others. Some may be influenced by varying other network factors, other economic factors like network effects and economy of scale. OTI is particularly concerned about internet access and this great open internet question um, of who decides what content internet users can access and on what terms. We believe that it is users who should decide and that their ability to do so must be protected where internet service providers have the ability to interfere with that access um, and the various incentives to interfere with that access. And so to the first question that Tim posed, uh, why would the internet need a rewrite of the Communications Act for the purposes here of the, the, the issue that we view to be the immediate and most important issue of facing the internet right now, um, we don't believe that that it does need a, a rewrite of the Communications Act. Um, the communications the, the Telecommunications Act rests on bedrock principles that have guided communications policy for decades, in some cases a century, principles related to common carriage, interconnection, and of course competition. Um, And the the Telecommunications Act articulates those principles into law. So essentially, the FCC has a a toolbox, and it's a very good toolbox, Um, and and the FCC has the tools at its disposal to address many of the pressing policy questions posed in the context of the Internet today. Um, Some of these tools may need a bit of cleanup or reorganization, um, but the commission has the power to do much of that um, and Reclassification of broadband as a Title II service is an important um, component of, of that sort of cleanup and reorganization um, in order to protect the ability of Internet users to access the content of their choosing and ensure that the Internet remains a platform for robust innovation and development. Gus? Yes.
4: Uh, thanks, Tim. Thanks again, as well, to the organizers. Um uh, and the uh, members and senators uh, who sponsor these wonderful events that make this possible. This uh, really is a wonderful forum. Um, I'm a, an assistant professor of law at the University of Nebraska College of Law. You all might be thinking, Nebraska, what does that have to do with telecommunications? Well, I teach telecommunications and cyber law um, at uh, Nebraska. We actually have a space cyber and telecommunications law program with a number of outstanding outstanding graduates, not all of whom I always agree with, but one of whom is sitting next to me. Um, uh, So I uh, write, um, think about, and speak on uh, a lot of issues relating to the internet, including whether the internet needs a revised communications act. Um, My answer is uh, probably yes, I think we've been hearing no, yes, no, but the no's have some semblance of there should be some tweaking, perhaps some correction involved, Um, so it's not clear what a revision means. Uh, This kind of gets into the comic rewrite versus comic update uh, sort of question. Um, The basic challenge, looking at the internet, if we go back to the silo-based approach that Tim was describing of the 1934 Act. Um, we had uh, telephone communications, telecommunications. We had cable added. We had wireless. Each of these was a separate silo. The <laughs> weird thing about the Internet is the Internet can run on top of each of these different silos and support the applications of each of these silos on a converged platform. Um, so the Internet kind of has inverted our thinking about how communications happens. Um, so does the Communications Act support this sort of inverted thinking. Um, in some ways, maybe, arguably, yes. Um, Section 706, the courts have, uh, hold that the, have, have held, um, the AC Circuit has held that the FCC's construction of 706 as giving it authority to regulate parts of the Internet is permissible. Um, uh, title II, arguably the FCC could classify uh, much of the Internet as a title due service. So the FCC has a lot of power on the Internet. The problem isn't whether or not the FCC has the power, it's a question of how clear that power is. So, my uh, personal take on the uh, Section 706 versus Title Two question, and I think we should challenge ourselves to see how long we can go without really delving into any Crowley on this panel, um, uh, is putting into the side uh, many of the legal, the theoretical issues, there's a really basic practical issue of The FCC's authority is unclear. It's clear that it has some authority, but it's unclear what the boundaries and limitations of either 706 or Title II is. If the FCC tries to push um, the open Internet proceedings aggressively, we're probably going to end up in litigation for several more years. And that does no one any good. Um, So I don't know if this counts as a rewrite, a revision, a minor tweak. We need certainty. We need clarification, and that clarification can't be generated internally from the FCC. It needs to come from Congress, I think. Um, A couple of other things. Uh, We'll we'll get into some of the weeds a bit more. First, uh, I I, uh, think that the Internet absolutely can cure Ebola. Um, So we should uh, walk this uh, down uh, the hall a little bit. Um, One of the puzzling things that most uh, folks when they think about the Internet don't really understand is how telecommunication services, so putting the internet to the side, how, how telephone service, how cell phone service is actually provisioned nowadays. And one of the amazing things about the modern telephone architecture is it actually is an information service generally being provisioned over a telecommunication service. So nowadays, when you get a telephone, if you're, you get um, a backhaul connection that historically we would think of as a telecommunication service, it's actually probably being provisioned as an IP service over MPLS, <laughs> over an IP backbone that's being provisioned over other telecommunication circuits. So, no, that was way too narrow. Uh, <laughs> good. good. The, the point is that we're, we're in a, a topsy-turvy, upside-down sort of world. Uh, the, the last thing that I'd like to queue up, um, there's another set of silos that's really collapsing, and that's between different sorts of authority, different federal agencies. Well, let's, um, let's get to that question a little bit later. It can, can you... Fifteen seconds on it, just to queue it up. Um, the FTC and FCC, for instance, are starting to go, get into loggerheads over whether or not uh, the Internet includes edge devices, edge services, cybersecurity, privacy-related issues. It's not clear whether, what the answer is. Just last week, the FCC and FCC collaborated on not an Internet issue, but on a, uh, a, a wireless uh, mobile issue. That's fascinating. Um, and how that's going to inform this discussion and debate, I think, is a really interesting question.
0: Kathy, during during Gus's remarks, you've it like you've perked up your ears. Yeah, you might to respond to that, and, and if you could answer um, after that, you know, what do you think the original purpose of the '96 Act? Why, why why did that all come together? What was the purpose of the '96 Act, which was a massive piece of legislation, which yeah. resulted in even more regulated uh, regulatory um,
1: well, um, rules? Well, I, I can go there. Um, let me first say uh, that. Uh, um, one of the actual reasons why the Internet was not mentioned more in the 96 Act is that over here on the House side, um, as it was, the antitrust people in the Judiciary Committee and the telecom people in the Commerce Committee were working really hard from different perspectives on this legislation, and use of the word Internet would have caused a joint referral to science and tech. So they didn't want that to happen. Anyway, I... Um, Going back to um, actually the, the nineteen thirty four Act, large portions of which we still have, the um, the driving principle was universal access to telecommunication services for all Americans, all American, all Americans in their personal uh life and businesses as well. So universal connectivity. And the definition of telecommunications has to do with two-way transmission by wire and radio. It doesn't specify the type of technology, whether that be wireless or fiber or copper or whatever. It doesn't specify. It just says telecommunications and, and universal access to two-way telecommunications. So we would argue that Internet access is today's telecommunications and we have argued that at the FCC. So the other thing is, um, you know, if if you if you were to say that no part of the internet is actually still telecommunications, then why would you need a statute at all? If everything's just a, an information service competing with another information service, and and nobody's underlying critical networks matter more than anything else, then why would you need a statute at all? So um, you know, but. Let me give you a history on the – a really brief history on the Telecom Act of 96 um, because it really informs uh, the difference between that very pro-competitive statute um, that had a lot of bipartisan support and and where we are today. Um, It came together because the Bell phone companies – really, really, all seven of them really wanted to get out from under the antitrust restrictions that Judge Green had imposed on them following the AT&T breakup. So um, yeah. they,
0: those... But, and for millennials <laughs> who don't remember that, it was wonderful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> AT&T really was to the work.
1: only phone company for everything. We'd have a long on yeah, that. Right, but,
0: right. Oh.
1: Yeah. So, um, but, so those antitrust restrictions barred the belt, the... Companies from doing information services and from long distance, and they wanted to get back into that. So they lobbied Congress like crazy. We want we want the FCC to regulate us instead.
0: Okay? instead of like an old instead of an
1: judge. old grumpy judge, I trust
0: it. Right, which is hard to imagine. Like the entire our major telecommunications infrastructure was regulated by a judge in Europe. Right. Yeah. So
1: at first, all the you know um, smaller long distance companies and all the public interest organizations pushed back on that. But finally they realized they weren't going to be able to hold back this tide of, of the Bell company push. So they, you know, all those other folks agreed that elimination of the antitrust restrictions would be okay, but only if local telephone markets could, local telecom markets, voice data and video be opened up to competition for the first time. And that was the grand bargain. That, you know, those rules for interconnection were the grand bargain that was reached. And we had bipartisan, bicameral core group members of Congress with the expertise and the will to craft and pass legislation that would accomplish those goals. So I would just say that, you know, it would be nice if we were had the same kind of situation now, um, but we don't. Um, There's really not a lot of consensus about any, even the, the pieces I described that maybe need fixing. There's even not...
0: So, so, you're saying, you're saying the yeah. thrust of the ninety six Act was to promote competition, open up um, access to local lines, right? Um, that's large. In your in your estimation, that's okay.
1: So, what what happened were, was that there was an explosion of what we called Clex in the late nineteen nineties, offering all kinds of competitive local connections. Um, eventually, uh, most of those, for lack of strong enforcement of the telecom act by the FCC a lot of those fell by the wayside and consolidated with each other we are left with some competition but mostly it's between the cable operators and the telephone companies right so you have um, instead of only monopoly phone company offering only telephone service and cable offering only video programming you have the two of them competing each other against each other in a lot of markets not everywhere
0: yeah. So, going to ask was on the, last, the last panel: the first, of the Telegram Act, and has it been achieved? And if so, or if not, do we need to go back and revisit that? And what will that take? So, if I can
2: jump on the I would, first of all, I wanted to address. Uh, I don't know. I've I've said before on other panels that it, it feels sometimes like net neutrality is like this black hole that's like off to the side of the panel, and everyone sort of veers close to it and you know try. It. So, I but I just so I, my only point is that. I think that this question that is pending in front of the FCC of whether we use Section 706, and this is in Title I of the Communications Act, which is largely deregulatory and uh, doesn't have specific regulations touching net neutrality, or they try to reclassify broadband as a Title II telecommunications service. This big question that's sort of in front of the Commission now. I think this is a perfect illustration of why we need a new Telecommunications Act. Uh, uh, I'll go ahead and throw, throw the bombshell out there that I'm actually in favor of paid prioritization. I would caveat that with, I think that's very different than what a lot of people think it is. This is not talking about uh, web serv- most web services uh, needing paid prioritization. I'm talking about very latency-sensitive, mostly future communication platforms <coughs> points that should yet be developed. This is real-time, data-intensive needs prioritization uh, in order to be done well. And so I think the case-by-case uh analysis under 706 is the way to go. That said, I also think that it's somewhat imperfect. I would rather have uh, broadband providers be required to hold out those prioritization services on standardized terms. You can only do that as a common carrier. So 706 has some imperfections. Title II, I think, is an is an unworkable mess. I think it's like it's filled with all of these old outdated regulations that are largely designed for for deregulating and breaking up monopolies in local telephone networks, these, these regulations do not apply well to the internet. And so I think this problem of like which you know silo, which regulatory bucket are we going to put broadband in? It's a silly question, and this is the big problem that we have, and it's because we're dealing
0: with outdated laws. Well, Doug thinks the title we came up with from the panel. Silly. Um, <laughs>
4: so, um, Gus, is silly. So, Gus on that, on those points. Um, so I'm going to say both Doug and Kathy are wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, not not quite so aggressively though. Um, uh, I, I want to say flesh out a bit more of the history that Kathy gave us um, between 1934 and 1996, um, because I, I think that this informs uh, the the understanding of what telecommunications is. Um, so in 1934 we had phone service. Um, the wire communications of the day we were talking about, I can pick up the phone, I can call Tim, uh, and there's a voice circuit between us. Uh, the struggle over the following decades, particularly starting in the 50s when ATT started to get into, uh, actually the 40s, started to get into the computer business, there was a big antitrust suit. People forget that in 1984 it was the modified final judgment, it was actually a renewal of the 1956. Final judgment from an earlier, uh, a revision of uh, uh, an earlier consent decree. Um, during the intervening years, 1950s but, and uh, till 1996, the FCC struggled with how to regulate these non-pure voice services. And they went through the Computer 1 inquiry, the Computer 2 inquiry, they were getting into the Computer 3 inquiry when uh, the 96 Act happened, and what these inquiries did is they created uh, a dichotomy between so called basic services and enhanced services. Basic services are these transparent services, they don't do anything. Enhanced services take the basic services and do some other stuff to them. Um, and Congress basically embraced this, uh, this dichotomy and uh, codified it as the difference between telecommunication services and information services in the 96 Act. Now, why is this important? In 1934, when we thought of what the basic communication service that people wanted was, it was this twisted pair of wires that did one thing. It let us speak. So when we were talking about universal service, making sure that everyone had access to this network, we knew exactly what the one service was, and it was a pretty simple service. Anyone who could get a pair of copper wires to their house, with their business, their whatever, could get this service. Today... Internet service supports a wide range of services. So when we say uh, the goal of the 34 Act is to ensure universal service, universal provision of what service? Is it basic voice communications? Is it fiber to everyone's uh, house, horse, business, car? Um, is it uh, multi gigabit service? Is it sufficient voice service to... Uh, is it a sufficient level of IP service to be comparable to the 1934 Voice Service or 1934 Voice That's Service. That's Now you got it. Uh, <laughs> basic uh, level of uh, other connectivity. That's where we're struggling today. And the, the Telecom Act doesn't have any answers to this. That's
0: not true. <laughs> well, let me, let me go <laughs> to the audience's audience <laughs> questions. Before, it's
3: quite questions. Wait, hold well, on.
0: If you have a question, let, look, we can go quickly to the you questions.
3: I'm happy to I just feel like that has to be answered. What no, <laughs> if that was? you to get identify
0: yourself. You're going to Sure.
3: I'm Asia Cronenberg. i and the General Counsel of Comtel. I worked on the implementation of the U.S. reform just a couple years ago at the FCC when I was advisor to Commissioner Clyburn. Section 254 that was amended as part of the 96 Act was quite clear that it moved not just to voice service, but also these advanced services that Congress clearly knew they weren't already being provided or were soon to be provided. So a big part of what the FCC did that was just upheld by the Tenth Circuit, pursuant to the 254 Title I, Title II, Section 706 authority, was to modify the
1: USF high-cost program to support broadband connectivity throughout the United States.
3: So Congress has already answered this question. That was done already so, Ninety ninety six. Uh, the question is Yeah. <laughs> no, I
0: just <laughs> <It's a statement. laughs> it's okay.
4: Okay. So the, the the question is what is an advanced service? That's what the question is. And the FCC has put uh, forth an interpretation, which was upheld. But it, it's not clear. Uh, clearly, an advanced service isn't unlimited, compa- uh, unlimited, zero-cost uh, internet connectivity to every person at every location that they want.
0: No,
1: it's whatever the expert agency decides that it is. All right.
4: Well,
0: let's go to the question. Let's go to the question that that um, that Gus raised. Um, so one of, one of the indictments, and I, literally this Digital Age Communications Act that was written by the Parkinson Freedom Foundation many years ago, they set out a set of indictments. Literally, they, it was like kind of a, almost like a declaration of independence. And they set out a set of indictments, uh, one of which was, um, you know, kind of having this kind of crazy regulatory framework. And I think they were, they didn't say crazy. <laughs> but I think they, they were talking about, you know, how the Federal Communications Commission has, you know, the title, you know, they have the Mass Media Bureau, they call it the Media Bureau, you and know, these names to change over time, the Wireline Competition Bureau, the Wireless Bureau, and like, it's kind of stovepiped. And that seems kind of, they are like, that seems ridiculous given what we've been talking about. Um, and then Gus, you mentioned, um, if, and, and Kathy alluded to, is that in, after the, the, the court decision on the open internet rules, um, there's a question about the Federal Communications Commission's you know, authority over, over Internet services, right? And we, we've been debating that. Internet access so, in particular. And you have some people come in and say, well, hey, the, the Communications Act you know, specifies the Federal Communications Commission as the agency. But a lot, a lot of folks are saying, you know, a better agency that has more experience with, with regulating the Internet and has more competition over oversight, which you mentioned was the thrust of the, of the act, um, why don't we just kind of throw it off to the federal, just just do a find and replace with um, the Federal Communications Commission, with Federal Trade Commission?
1: Because And the answer is because the FCC is actually the agency with expertise on networks and spectrum and all the things that are involved with the Internet. The FTC, while it's got, um, just like the Justice Department, a good handle on competition, um it's, it's not, they're not telecom. Well, it's more than
0: a, I mean, in fairness, more than a handle on competition. It, it, yeah. It's, well, well, I think as Gus like
3: illustrated a few minutes ago, both agency, each agency has its respective purpose, and they're both relevant in answering questions related to communications policy. One just happens to be able to do it um, through rulemaking. Um, the other one happens to be able to do it through adjudication and enforcement, and there's room, I, there's value in both, and I've seen, I think we've seen in the course of communications policy history the value of both. Um, That's that. right. What, it's, so hold, on, it, wait, it's, hold on. Doug, 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 Doug earlier <laughs> mentioned
0: he really appreciated the case-by-case <laughs> approach, which would lend itself to like uh, landing ho- things in the hold on,
1: hold on, going back to the Telecom Act, okay, when you're trying to replace entrenched monopolies for the first time with competition, the antitrust laws and the FTC case-by-case are not enough. You you need all of the above, including the expertise of the FCC, and that's what Congress decided in '96.
2: So if I, could, if I can jump in, so um, uh, to your specific question back on the on the '96 Act, uh, and so I mean Kathy seems to be quite a fan of the '96 of the Act, calling it a, a triumph of competition. Uh, but I, I want to point out uh, part of what you said was that we we saw a competition not through CELEX and through the unbundling of the of the of the '96 Act that. It implemented, but through uh, cable companies offering voice. Well, it, it allowed not to that. to let's not forget wireless, right? I mean, so it, the, 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 the act
1: facilitated that and allowed that to happen. Cable telecom
2: certainly not through unbundling, though, right? It was,
1: well, I know it didn't say which specific section, but the interconnection sections and it, it the the act. Promoted competition between
2: cable and telco. My point is that we saw we saw competition that was facilities based, intermodal competition. We did not see this sort of bootstrapping competition of new CLECs coming in, getting access to the network facilities of the incumbents we did and building up their so, own. We, no, we, sorry, oh, no, I'm I mean, again. Just I questions. The comparison um, of the competition between wireless, cable, cable, voice. Operate telephone services as compared to to unbundling. We started I out think on wireless.
1: In wireless, we started out with a duopoly, uh, a government-created duopoly, with the telephone companies in each market having one of the licenses and another one being independent for a non wire line. But then it was decided that that wasn't that wasn't enough. In and fact, so, this is my point.
2: I think that the, the the model of unbundling, this this possibility that we're going back to Title II and going through these same sort of steps. Under uh, under the internet, I think this is entirely the wrong model. I think that we've seen through historic, his, historically we've seen that we get competition, intermodal competition in providing these sorts of services without without unbundling, right? So I, will you, I will grant you. I will grant you.
1: I will grant you. I will grant
2: you that there are there are legitimate reasons going forward, even under even with broadband providers, that there is sufficient concentration. I think this is for legitimate economic reasons. That we we do have to worry about interconnection interoperability. Uh, standardization yes. going to forward. And and I and and room,
4: absolutely. Well, Gus, well, you we started this mess. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so I, I want to. Uh, we uh, To uh, <laughs> uh, two uh, the, uh, somewhat narrow points, and then uh, something that uh, y'all can uh, uh, run really the report. Like so, <laughs> okay. i oatmeal
0: cookies at Okay. So, really boring legal points. Um, uh, <laughs> right. Both the
4: FTC and the FCC have broad rulemaking and adjudicatory power. It is not the case. It is simply wrong to say the FTC can only bring adjudication, it can make rules, and the FCC...
0: That's
4: also not what I said. Uh, I, I, but this actually is this <laughs> a very pervasive view. I'm, I'm not saying that you're, you're wrong. Uh, we, uh, we've heard this a couple times, and very frequently in debates about the open Internet in particular, the prospect of the FCC taking a case-by-case approach without issuing rules is dismissed as a non-starter. As a matter of black-letter of law, the FCC could do that. On the uh, expertise point, um, it's uh, this point goes both ways with the FTC versus the FCC. The FTC has a lot of technical ex- expertise, not just competition expertise, but technical expertise that the FCC does not have, particularly when it comes to uh, products, devices, and edge providers. Um, the FTC is the agency that brings suits against Twitter, Google, Facebook, not the FCC. So there's a lot of knowledge there. And I don't think that anyone would say if, uh, in some hypothetical world, uh, this isn't what I'm advocating right now, um, uh, we were to get rid of the FCC or divide the, the FCC authority such that it handles spectrum stuff and we roll the uh, rest of the Internet into the FTC or DOJ, um, we're, we're not saying that we would fire all the FCC engineers and technologists. Yeah. They would probably be transferred over to whatever agency had this authority. Well, so we wouldn't lose that.
1: One just quick point of clarification is that the FTC is has to concern itself with consumer protection across all industries. So pharmaceuticals, trucking, I mean, you know, devices, you, you name it. Okay, so it's just kind of... Um,
2: if, if I may... Uh, it, it,
1: it's just kind of... Uh, n- it, yeah, it, it, ha- it has to be con- concerned with consumer welfare... Across every product and service, across every industry, and so cannot possibly be the expert in communications networks that the FCC is.
2: If I may just I can totally agree with Kathy. I think that FCC has got the expertise to answer these, these sorts of <laughs> issues. <laughs> that, that, that we don't need generalists. Uh, but I think one point uh, is that. Uh, a possibility with the Communications Act, I think we need to go back to first principles, reorganize the FCC, reorganize how the Act works, how we regulate these, the, this sector. Uh, and I, I think part of that is that antitrust and the FTC can serve as a good model. And so, I don't know, not to get into the, our candidy of, of administrative law, but the FCC has the option uh, to do to operate more on an adjudicatory type basis. I think the FCC now has two administrative law judges. I think that that role should be expanded, and a lot of the narrow questions can be answered much more quickly on uh, by administrative law judges than through a long, drawn-out rulemaking process. Okay, so,
0: so I, I did have, we haven't gotten the question of there's a lot of like social issues that are embodied in the yes. Communications Act and Telecommunications Act, and I can't believe we haven't really gotten to any of those. Um, we had a panel on this particular issue like four years ago, and Adam Thayer said, hey, from the, he was at the Progress and Nutrition Foundation at that time, I believe, and he, he, was, he was like, those, all those regulations just wash away, and, and, and that's, that was his, his opinion at the time. And We haven't gotten any of those questions um, on this panel. But let me just, before I go back to the audience for questions, um, let me just
3: ask another
0: question about the, you know, the process. In the 90, 1996, um, the, millenni- the staff were largely millennials up here. Um, probably had a hard time believing that members of Congress didn't use email. None of them, like very few of them. Um, Senator Kennedy, maybe like a few years before, had a website that was mit.edu. Tilda S. Kennedy. That was his. That was his Senate website. Yeah, Stevens so it was—it was really remarkable that there was not a pervasive use of technology that, of internet technology up here. It really wasn't, and, and um, it's really kind of hard to imagine that today. You know, members—members, members, all members have Blackberries that have been issued, and, and a lot of them have iPads, and they use technology a lot more than they did. And I bet if some of them use Netflix. Um, Is a lot—they're a lot more fluent, arguably, uh, on, the, on these technologies. Would um, they? do you have a better crack at uh, writing a, a new act um, that kind of anticipated the internet that they did maybe in
3: 1996? I'll leave to Kathy to talk about sort of the, the behind-the-scenes the, the work that happened there, but I think we're, I mean, I, I wasn't there, but I think we're in a much different political climate now. There, there's a difference between um, uh, bipartisan uh work on a given issue versus having the, the institutional expertise to do that. And I, I think that there's a big difference also between institutional expertise on how the Internet works and um, all of the myriad issues that happen at the various parts of the network. that It involves interconnection and it involves delivery over the last mile and what the actual uh, routing of packets looks like. That's very different than knowing than, than a general familiarity with with how we experience the internet as end users and and both are important right we need to understand how people use the technology and how the technology impacts people's lives but we also to to answer the sorts of fundamental architectural questions about how how where there are um, problems within the network and how they should be addressed as a matter of policy though there, there's a lot of additional questions there that, that require like a, a lot of expertise and that's not to say that it's, it's not here, but I wouldn't use the example of of ubiquitous email use as as necessarily the the metric by which uh, expertise for revisiting the act
0: would be gave you an opportunity to compliment members of Congress on technology savvy. No,
3: that is not the (laughs) same as members of Congress are not technology savvy, just that I would judge it on uh, their commitment to legislation. Let's not get the Supreme
0: Court. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Another question I really would love to ask um, is these services, um, it seems like there's a trend, uh, to say, well, if it looks like, you know, a type of service that is kind of regulated in the Communications Act of 1984, then maybe it is something that's, um, that is, for instance, um, the, the recent area case, right, where, and I'm not saying the decision was the right decision or the wrong decision, I make no judgment about that, but I was struck when the Supreme Court was, was was commenting on it and he said, "Ariel looks to us. You know, what's behind the screen, what's behind the scenes is immaterial, or not material enough." I think was their their point. And it says it looks like a cable service, so therefore we rule this way. Again, I'm not saying that the decision was right or wrong. We'll get, don't, don't get their irish out. Um, but generally, they say it looks like a service. So I think what the the Commerce Committee you know, and the Senate um, is starting to think about is these services they. They're indistinguishable when they appear. If you're watching Netflix on your laptop, on your iPad, or you're watching Netflix on a TV that's connected to um, broadcast, they seem indistinguishable. So, why are we making a distinction? Hopkins, can you comment on the if it looks like a duck, then it should be regulated as a duck under the Communications Act 1934 process?
1: Okay, so what happened here with the aerial space is a brand new juxtaposition of communications law on the one hand that regulates broadcast TV signals and copyright on the other. It was a brand new clash of those two. And, and that's why the answer is uncertain and, and muddy. But to go back to your point about the social issues in the Communications Act, none of those had to do with telecom. They all had to do with broadcasts and localism. And, um, you know, you have public, uh, you know, educational stations and children's programming and all that kind of stuff. All of that is Title Three, and bound up in the idea that broadcast licensees, you know, get the use of public airwaves for free, and in exchange they have to serve the public with public interest programs. Okay, none of that applies to telephone, and none of that applies to the Internet. Because um, telecommunications is, is, a different, is a different animal. So within the Communications Act, we, we do have some silos that still... I mean, you know, cable and broadcast are all mushing together. Maybe satellite, <laughs> but um, but the thing is, the the um, focus on content is the only nexus for that. Focus on content is broadcast, TV, and radio. Stations. So, um, so
3: can I answer your question from a slightly different angle, you said, it, should if it looks like a duck, be, should it be treated like a duck? Is that is that an appropriate you know premise for for regulation? I would say another way, oh, you're going to... I don't uh,
0: think that that's what the Supreme Court wrote in the case, but... <laughs> <laughs> the gist.
3: Um, another way you could approach this is what are the principles that we are looking to 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 guide how we do policy in this space? And I will just go back to the remarks that I made at the beginning, which are we have principles, very historic ones, deeply embedded bedrock principles that have guided communications policy for a century. And... When we talk, so the question then becomes how do we apply them into this new, to the Internet? Um, that doesn't, we don't need to make the Internet fit into um, a, a, tele, a, a phone world, but we can use what we have in the Act, Title II, to um, extend those principles in an appropriate way to, uh, to Internet access service.
2: So, like, I'd like to try to answer both your previous, or can I throw in like a layer on
0: another question? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of the one of the reasons going back to the original question: Why would we do? Why would the internet need a communications act of writing? Right? Because let me pose this question: Be devil's advocate. Let's say that all those social issues, all the different issues, the bedrock principles we're we talking about, all the layers of title one, title two, title all those different titles, and they're kind of thick, right? At one point in time. Somebody thought it was a really good idea in the United States Congress to pass those off. And people, as the passion about talking about the 96 Act has shown, is people people feel connected to those decisions, and they feel really important. Like, for instance... um, uh, Closed captioning for for um, broad, broad, broadcast television, right? Really important for individuals with disabilities, so they can uh, people with hearing impaired, so they can watch um, uh, television programming and it's mainstream effect for individuals is so just big, hugely important. Um, it's not for people in sports bars. It's it's for individuals with disabilities. So it's a really important um, uh, 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 um, statute. Um, last year, um, Congress saw fit to actually apply those rules to internet video. So if Let's say a young kid is watching uh, um, uh, Modern Family on their iPad and streaming over Netflix or whatever. Um, that maybe wouldn't have the closed captioning requirements a couple years ago. But their parents watching Modern Family, you know, in the living room that's connected to the broadcast television, they would have closed captioning. So last year Congress said, "Well, let's update that." So you can that seems kind of silly, you know. Screen it looks like a the screen's the same. They should have um, some closed captioning. Would, and Doug, you're saying you don't. You, maybe one of the reasons why you you might, from your perspective, from what I hear, is you might want to rewrite is to say, let's look at this and what we want going forward, like maybe access to access for individuals and students, and leave off the stuff that's antiquated. Wouldn't that be a way to hit this head on rather than just having just a ball?
3: I, I would argue that universal access and common carriage and interconnection are not antiquated principles. Just to, to...
0: and I didn't argue that. Okay. Well, I would agree. <laughs> Um,
2: so, yeah, to, to jump back to, to, I guess, three questions ago, whether or not we have a better shot today, uh, uh, I think it, a lot of it depends on what a Communications Act update slash rewrite actually looks like. And so if we compare it to the 96 Act, my, I wasn't, wasn't participating in the 96 Act to, uh, at all, but uh, so my understanding is that it was largely a compromise that a lot of the interested parties, long-distance companies, incumbents came in and worked out, hashtag out, and it got into specifics, and, and each party sort of walked away with their own particular interests. And then we you know, spent years and years fighting over the sort of rates, all, all sort of rate-setting, and uh, all sorts of disagreements that got drawn out into the, into, into the court cases and fights in front of the FCC. Uh, so I think that if we are going to succeed, this has to be about going back to high-level first principles and not getting down into the weeds of any specifics. It's not about, you know, what, what would, how would ARIO get, reg, get regulated? I don't think if we get into that narrow question, how do we do net neutrality? If we get that narrow, I don't think that, I don't think that we have a shot in, in the sort of more partisan Congress that we have today. And so, to get to your, the, the last question, I think that, uh, then it's, it's about what are those first principles. So we have to get rid of the silos. I think, uh, one of the, key questions is sort of what is the institutional design we want the regulator to look like. I think there we want expediency. We want them to be able to resolve disputes, solve problems, and answer questions quickly, not this long, drawn-out rulemaking process. We want them to be experts. We want a specialized expert, independent agency. We want them to be relatively neutral and resistant to regulatory capture or anything like that. And I think an important principle is that we want them to be humble. We want them to, to act with humility, to realize that we have been wrong about how these Technologies have progressed in the past, and so I think uh, Marine Olhausen has spoken. I think quite eloquently on this point is that, that we have to realize that it's like we we are limited in our ability to predict where these communications technologies are going. Uh, and so, with that said, I think that we have to go head on and approach the entire thing and sort of go back to very first principles at a very generalist level.
0: Um, let me spare the, the panel another one of my questions. Um, question that?
5: Yeah, my um, name is I'm on the West government. Um, I find some of the premises here highly dubious. The Center for Disease Control is the expert agency for disease control. They're doing a fabulously expert job with Ebola. Uh, the Health and Human Services is the expert agency. How they are they doing with Obamacare? Yeah, FEMA screwed up Katrina, too.
1: So, I mean, well, well,
5: yeah, well, you can give a well, lot of examples. No, but my point is, that further that makes my point, which is, I find it highly dubious. Uh, I think the expert agencies on the Internet are... Comcast, and Verizon, and AT&T, not the FCC. I mean, former Commissioner McDowell thinks the place should be shut down. And I, 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 I'm not too far off from that either. Um, the, the FCC has suffered from mission creep. Uh, Chairman Wheeler now wants to look at the Redskins name and whether they should lose broadcast licenses based on the Redskins uh, how name. How would you
1: stop users of Spectrum from interfering with each other?
5: Well, no, that's, you can, can give that, that to another... Yeah. A, that's one of the three or four Oh three yeah, functions. just give it to anybody. My my question is, if we're going to do a rewrite, and we absolutely should, we should delimit and and shrink the role of government in the sphere, rather than looking to increase it, which is what a lot of people on this panel have suggested. We're not
1: suggesting
5: increasing the role. Yeah, I I would... well, i really happy not. that
2: I don't no. think that. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that what we're saying is that we should increase. It. I think that I, I think a big problem is we need to clarify the FCC's jurisdiction. Uh, and this is, I mean, time and again, the, this has been a recurring question. Uh, I mean, if you look at the fight that we've had two days since what 2004 over net neutrality. Uh, by and large, it's been over what the FCC's jurisdiction is and what they can do to act. And so I think that the, to your point, I mean, whether to to what size the FCC should be, if they're overreaching or not. Uh, I think that that's a, you know, a separate political question. But just the fact of clarifying what the jurisdiction is, I think, is, is very important.
0: Another question? Okay. Um, I think I had another question for you guys. Members are more savvy. Um, the, I did get a question on uh, email uh, today. And it was um, it was a suggestion that we view uh, the internet as just impervious to any type of social responsibility and, and regulation and that bits should never be regulated and it's on this pedestal that now cannot touch um, and, and I guess the question is kind of um, why why do
4: we put the internet on such a pedestal so I'm going to kind of answer that and also answer uh, respond to uh, some of the previous questions um I think that this is a real challenge. Um, it is difficult to regulate the Internet. It's kind of, uh, we see this very frequently in the uh, tech sphere. We see this, for instance, uh, I'm, getting to say, I'm getting to use very strong language right now, with the idiocy uh, of the Washington Post-Editorial Board's recent um, editorial calling for, we need a really strong encryption that can be easily broken by law enforcement. Technology doesn't work that way. It does not support that sort of feature. Um, and much of the challenge regulating the internet is if we start to regulate a little bit, well, it's a slippery slope. We need to start regulating everything. Um, and I'd say one of the real challenges here, there are very important um, social and emergency services that we do want to facilitate, that we have to facilitate. Um, and if we, it's not entirely clear how in a unregulated, um, a completely uh, competitive communications market, any of these services would be provisioned. You cannot uh, you cannot easily have a carrier of last resort kind of provision in a competitive market, because no carrier is willing to offer that. It's uneconomic to do so. But as a society, we want to have a carrier of last resort. So how do we accomplish <coughs> that? And it's a very, very hard question um, to answer.
1: Just to clarify here again, um, we're talking about Regulation at all is about the networks and interconnection of the networks and and your um, network access at your home or business. None of this has to do with content at all.
3: We're you know, yeah, I would just add yeah, not not to diminish the, the difficulty of getting the regulations right in the in the context of the, the, the provisioning of network access. access. But that that's the, that's what we're talking about here. I don't think that, that anyone at the, this table is is. Uh, is particularly in the context of, of the open proceedings right now, calling for um, anything more than that um, with the, within the context of reclassification. And you're so, talking about the
0: but, open proceedings of the FCC. Yes. But I, because we're out there talking about Congress updating and revising the act and the proceedings going on with that. Sure, sure. Um, I,
3: I, I got the impression that Gus was suggesting that it would be so difficult for the FCC to address the all, under the current framework to address all the potential issues that would come up in the, the context of the internet, um, uh, and I think that most many of them can be um, addressed through the, the, in the context of the delivery of access service, the internet access
0: service. And. Um so, I'm afraid we didn't get to a lot of the social issues that I thought, uh, you know, I was hoping we could get to, um, some of those issues. We didn't get to really any of the developments that are happening around telecommunications that are happening in, in the states, municipalities with um, fiber and, and companies providing really high speed fiber in different cities and what city, the city role and stakeholders and that. We didn't get to any of that, which is important. And we're to get to, like, 20 other issues. Didn't um, mention HBO and CBS. <laughs> online. It's a no big deal. Yeah, yeah, didn't mention any of it. Um, it but, you know, I'm not saying we're going to have 20 more panels on this stuff, but um, I, I wish I wish. still have like uh, 30. 30. <laughs>
1: well, actually, the point about social issues, uh, you, we really don't want to go there because internationally, if, if c- countries like Russia and China see us messing with the Internet for social issues, what are they going to do? It's going to be much worse. Okay, so and we're involved in international fora on these issues of internet governance. And so, um, yeah, we got to we got to keep it to our own, you know, internet access. We, you know, social issues on the internet. That's you just don't want to go there.
0: Alright, and promise everybody we'll be out of here in 16 minutes and with a fair warning from Kathy to Russia. And China, <laughs> I think we're going to wrap this up. Thank you everybody for coming. Uh Thank you to Congressman b Congressman Andrews, and the ladies in the booth. and we'll see you next time. Thanks.